0: Stephenson centers, and the loose puck was put on, rebound shot blocked, now Eichel scores! The third rebound goes for Eichel! Live from the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas Studios, and live at LVSportsNetwork.com. Marsh is still right to the circle, White Cloud shoots, he scores! Doing his best, Jack Eichel, finds the opening, top shelf! sharp angle for white cloud this is the vegas golden knights insider show your destination for inside access with the team exclusive player interviews and breaking news from around the national hockey league here's your hosts darren millard and ryan wallace welcome in vegas
1: golden knights insider show fox sports las vegas ryan wallace darren millard chris chapman live inside the finley chevrolet fox sports las vegas studios finley chevrolet on the 215 home of the a
0: little bit of uh, chemistry in the house last night Uh, we were watching the experiment with the top line going at it for the first time also witnessing the debut of a top prospect in the organization and at the end we were also waiting to see whether The early story to training camp would follow up on a strong performance in game number one. And I think it was uh, pretty good all the way around. We'll dissect it in the next two hours on the VGK Insider Show. Also bringing up to date with what else is happening around the National Hockey League as camps are in full swing. We have the Legal Minute with Sam and Ash going to touch on the Brett Favre drama that's playing out in Mississippi and It's kind of sad that he's front and center. I'll explain that uh, as we go along. Uh, Bruce Cassidy will stop by. You're going to hear a little bit of him from last night uh, discussing uh, the performance against the Los Angeles Kings. And uh, I want to hear from Paul Cotter as well because, uh, boy, those hands are pretty slick. Uh, As we start, though, (laughs) uh, early assessment uh, in this program about what we saw last night, and then we'll get into the first two games.
1: Yeah, last night, um, you know, for me, I I liked individual performances for sure from the Golden Knights. I I thought Logan Thompson looked really comfortable, didn't have a ton to do. And that's credit to the Golden Knights, keeping the Kings mostly out of the middle of the ice. But I thought Logan looked really good. Um, You know, there were a lot of moments for Paul Cotter, not just in terms of, being around the puck offensively, but there was a real edge to his game, led the team in hits with eight last night. Uh, You like to see that going for Paul Cotter. There were some strong defensive uh, shifts for him as well. So to me, Paul Cotter really did make the most of his second opportunity so far in, in the, in this preseason. Um, You know, I, I thought that there was some good chemistry, some fun moments from Jack Eichel and Phil Kessel and Riley Smith as, as a line and boy, oh, boy, if Shea Theodore has the green light in the neutral zone like he did last night, he's going to have himself a phenomenal year.
0: Yeah, I don't think Shea's ever been held back by any I, means over the course it, of his time in Vegas. No, no, but he,
1: he his skating last night was on full display, and I'm not sure if that's a product of it being, you know, game number one of the preseason for Shea, game number one for a lot of those players on the L.A. side, but he seemed to have another gear Last night and it was really fun to watch
0: Uh, We also didn't know that we were going to get a shootout After the game ended In (laughs) overtime Uh, We will explain what Transpired uh, Because a lot of us were packing up our gear And ready to go down For the post game and then they announced that uh, that the shootout would be happening. Thank you, Bruce. Uh, thanks for uh, keeping me in the know on that, Bruce Cusack, the uh, PA <laughs> announcer. Uh, appreciate uh, that fact uh, and you guiding us along, as usual. But then you get into a shootout, and that's the longest shootout ever. Not just because of a preseason shootout not because it was unexpected, but because uh, of the number the longest that I've experienced not the longest ever yeah. but uh, i I've yeah. never saw anything go that long front and center and it was like it was like the hockey gods were were playing a trick on us like we're we're just gonna make this thing extend
1: mm-hmm Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's almost as if the Golden Knights had to go through a 14-round shootout in the preseason to kind of exercise all the demons from last year and and the shootout going 0 for 17. So um, I don't know why it, it went on that long. 14 rounds is a long, long time to go in the shootout. But I'll tell you this. It was entertaining. It was appointment viewing, and the way that it ended couldn't have been more perfect for the Golden Knights uh, just because it was, it was fun, it was entertaining, and the fans that stuck around uh, really got to, to go home happy.
0: Well, Alex Petranzo just clappered it in. Cla-
1: yeah, clapper from the hash marks. I- I'm, I'm all for it. Yeah, and, and typically, like, I'm not, I'm not a slap shot on a breakaway guy, but when you're 14 rounds deep in a shootout and you just want it to end, I'm, I'm all about the head down, slap shot, blast it through the goalie.
0: Well, we saw some trick shots last night in the course <laughs> of that 14-round shootout, and we'll break that yeah. down in, in a little more detail as we go along through the next two hours on the VGK Insider Show in Fox Sports Las Vegas. But uh, as far as uh, strong performances last night, you, you touched on it. We'll go from the net out. I uh, thought mm-hmm. uh, that the performance by Logan Thompson was really solid. Uh, he was outshot. 8-4 to start in that first period before Vegas yep. got things going in their favor. And he didn't have to make any of those dynamic side-to-side saves or a breakaway stop or a double tip. Uh, he, those acrobatic saves that Logan is is well known for that uh, that you are a big fan of. But everything mm-hmm. was clean from thompson yeah. and yeah. sometimes when you're really amped up and you know that the, that the world is watching and there's so much at stake as far as uh, you earning that number one job that can be as tough as anything uh, the the quick side to side plays or the reactionary stuff can be in in a lot of uh, angles a little bit easier to react to in, instead of handling a puck, uh, freezing a puck, uh, deflecting a puck into the right spot. And he was really dialed in. I, I don't think there was much wrong with with Aiden Hill either. I mean, you, you certainly couldn't fault him uh, on, on the winning goal uh, by by any means. But uh, that's back-to-back starts this year where the Vegas Golden Knights have halved the goaltending assignment and the guy leading off has tossed a shutout.
1: Yeah, I, I thought it was a really strong for performance from Logan Thompson and you know, composed would would be the word that I would use for him. And, and I think that that's going to be one of those things for Logan to, to add to his game or, or to, to rely on in his game is, you know, we know he's capable of making those secondary, reactionary, acrobatic type saves. But the ability to just allow the puck to hit you, to read off of what your defensemen in front of you are doing and be in the right spot, that's going to serve him incredibly well. So, uh, you know, game number one, first 30 minutes that that he's put in, in this preseason, it was flawless hockey. It was really, really strong hockey from Logan Thompson. And, you know, I, I think that that's encouraging for the golden Knights moving forward. Aiden Hill, um, you know, it, it's tough, right? Because you're going into a game midway through and the first 3-ish minutes or so that you're in the game, uh, you have to make a couple of difficult saves and then you've got Kevin Fiala dangling around Alex Petrangelo and ripping a beautiful shot. So it it's it, you know, tough in that situation where you don't get to go through your typical pre-game routine, but I'd Oh, like, did, you see, did you not see did you not see what done. happened though
0: to when Aiden On Hill what? went in? Because they switched oh, into a did. TV timeout. Yeah, uh, yeah. And it was lucky now Norm- you don't get a uh, like it's not guaranteed that you're going to get a warm up, but because it was a TV timeout, they they let Marsh so that uh, he grabbed uh, five pucks from the uh, the timekeepers booth, and yeah. uh, and he got to fire some shots over to him. So that was cool, and that came in handy when he faced a breakaway with his first shot.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's it's not like uh, Aiden Hill's night was easy from jump. It was it was just, again right in the middle of of the Kings maybe making their first real push of that second period. Uh, but, no, I, I don't think that it was it was a bad performance at all from Aiden Hill. I am very curious to see uh, what he's able to do when he gets the start for a game. I, I do think it's a little bit more difficult and, and harder maybe to evaluate a goaltender coming in midway through, even if they get five shots from so. Um But I, I, I think that, again, this, this goaltending trio of Michael Hutchinson, Logan Thompson, and Aiden Hill, all they're going to do is push each other the remainder of this preseason.
0: Logan Thompson actually got a break the way the game went from a flow yeah. standpoint. He yeah. was busy right off the bat and was outshot, as I mentioned, uh, those uh, those 8-4 uh, drives to, to kick off the first half the first opening period. And then he had nothing to do. He and mm-hmm. he had one shot in the final 16 minutes that he played. Yeah. Uh, he faced nine shots on the night. Uh, so did Aiden Hill. Uh, Thompson was perfect. Hill allows two on, on those nine. Uh, neither one of them were considered any type of soft goals. And you look at uh, at what they've given up uh, during the course of uh, of this season. You can't really fault uh, much of them. Uh, and Bruce Cassidy talked about that a little bit. So that's the goaltending story. A good chance to get their feet wet. Uh, nobody's nobody's uh, done anything to... Uh, jump leaps and bounds ahead of the other guys, and nobody has fallen behind the pace uh, from this. And they've got uh, that first uh, appearance out of the way. Now let's get right down and deep into it and I anticipate from here on in we're going to see full games uh for the goaltenders none of this uh coming in and getting those uh those wristers from the hash marks from Jonathan Marchessault on the blue line uh, Braden McNabb was on the ice uh, for the first time in this preseason we saw uh Petrangelo out there Shea Theodore so uh, a veteran presence on that back end uh we we all know uh, what Petrangelo can do, and uh, and him playing on back-to-back nights—that that's kind of cool uh, from uh, from a fan perspective to be able to go there last night and still see Petrangelo. Theodore was uh, was outstanding, smooth, uh, McNabb uh, talkative. Uh, I love seeing Petrangelo and Dino uh, Cheka, uh mm-hmm. as as a team as a pairing, and I thought it brought out. The real confidence in in Cheka. Uh, he talked to Ashley Vice at the intermission, and he mentioned uh, to Ashley how the more Petro talked to him, the more confidence he got as it went along. And there'll be some made of the altercation uh, with Petrangelo and, and Chaka jumping in there and that you should do that. Whether you're playing men's league or whether you're playing in the national hockey league, you should come to the defense of your teammate. Uh, I'm not sure it was going to go. It was kind of like a double stick up. Cheka came in to back up <laughs> Petro. And then when it wasn't exactly going great, Petro yeah. jumped back in. Yeah, and and, and, yeah, it, and stood up for him. So that that was that was a neat thing. But but that combination, uh, mm-hmm. they they showed some stuff. And Chaka, he he wasn't shy about getting involved offensively.
1: No, I I thought Daniel Chaka had a really strong game. There were, you know, certainly that that play where he steps up for Petrangelo. And you know, you get to a point where uh, you do what you need to do. And I think that 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 kind of drives home the team aspect that Bruce Cassidy's pushing here. But you know Chaco was making plays in the defensive zone. he's making plays in the neutral zone. um he was really, in my estimation, having himself one of the best games that that I've seen him play. So, you know, from that regard, I, I thought Daniel Chaco had a really strong night. there there were multiple opportunities where he he, you know, killed plays in the defensive zone and started plays uh, in the offensive zone, kind of winning a board battle that allowed. Uh, you know, Riley Smith to to feed Phil Kessel and then to, to get Jack Eichel on, on his horse for the goal. So um, a strong showing from Daniil Cheka. I, I, I want to see more of this kid. I do.
0: And Petrangelo got a bulk of the special team's work for the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, power play, almost five minutes uh, of total ice time. Uh, also killed some penalties, but uh, Braden McNabb was out there on the penalty kill. Uh, also jumping in, though. When you're a man short, and I'm focused on the defensemen right now, but uh, Leighton Ahack and Caden Korczak, how were, were uh, prominent when they came a man short, which is uh, very important with this team. When you've got front-end defensemen, uh, not that I don't want to see Petro killing penalties, not that I don't want to see... Uh, a, Alec Martinez killing penalties uh, because they're both really good at it. If you can add some depth and earn your way into the lineup by being that role, uh, it gives you a leg up, and Korzak and Ahak uh, have been valuable in that department.
1: Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. I mean, you, you kind of look at the way the Golden Knights are made up right now, and if you had it your way. Right? You would have Shea Theodore and Alex Petrangelo mostly just focused on power play. Uh, Alec Martinez, I feel like his value and what he's able to do on the penalty kill is, is too good to, to kind of pass up in that regard. But you do want another guy. You want whoever's going to, to kind of fill in or be that, that sixth or seventh defenseman, you want them to be able to show well and play on the penalty kill. And, you know, Caden Korzak, I thought, had a really strong game, it, it was um, steady. By all accounts, same thing with Leighton Hack. So, you know, the, the young guys, the young defenders for the Golden Knights that kind of have an opportunity in front of them with, with the Nick Hag situation still ongoing, uh, I thought showed well last night too.
0: And and ice time was balanced on that back yeah. end. It was a close game. Yeah. Vegas scores first. Uh, L.A. ties it. And then it goes into overtime. But uh, you've got at the high end, uh, Shea Theodore and Braden McNabb. Uh, just over 23 minutes, and then it's Petrangelo, and after that, you you work in the hopefuls, the kids, in mm-hmm. uh, Caden Korzak, just shy of 15 minutes. Hey, Ahak was 15 and a half. Uh, Chaka was just under 15. Uh, I like the way they, they rolled that bench, and it's not a real big surprise, because it is the preseason, but uh, I, I thought that uh, the consistency of that game, and, and there was more there's more five-on-five five play, so you're allowed to do that. You were able to do that kind of thing. Uh, I I thought the the disbursement and the ability to showcase their games was was a lot more uh, in front of us last night than it was the night before.
1: Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. I mean, you, you didn't have any defender going into eight nine minutes of of penalty kill time yeah. and. You know, you, you had the majority of that first period and, and really the majority of the second period that were free of penalties, a handful on either side. But, um, you know, it wasn't until really the third period where special teams started to take a little bit more of an emphasis as, as more penalties were being called. But, you know, for, for the most part, that game had tremendous flow and, and you were able to, to really settle in and see what some of those youngsters could do in those five on five situations.
0: If you're a person that loves offense, loves skill and generating plays out of nothing. Well, on the mm-hmm. back end, the Vegas Golden Knights have shown a couple of kids in these two games to start off the preseason. Uh, really, really strong in that department. In Lucas Cormier the night before, in Denver, and then last night, Chayka. Uh mm-hmm. Guys that can just make stuff happen and and have the confidence to do that.
1: I, and I think it kind of goes back to your point about you know what Chaka said in, in between periods, and he said something similar to, to Dan Duva, is when you've got the communication and you're out there with a guy like Alex Petrangelo, your confidence starts to grow. You start to, to get the sense that you can, you can lead a rush. You can get through the neutral zone and make a play. You can pinch in a little bit if you need to and, and find that play. So the more you can pair up some of these young guys with those veterans, especially a guy like Petrangelo who's known for – Uh, being an all-around defender, but also being incredibly instinctual in the offensive zone, uh, I think you're starting to see players really latch onto that and grow from that advice inside the game and outside the game.
0: Second straight night, the Golden Knights uh, score first, uh, held to one goal, however. Up front, we saw a much different lineup uh, for three of the four lines, and a lot of the attention from us uh, going into the game yesterday in the VGK Insider Show was on the top line And our first look Mm -hmm. at Phil Kessel, paired with Jack Eichel and Riley Smith. And they didn't disappoint. They scored the first goal. Uh, there was some some action out there. I thought uh, Eichel was electric at times. There was some, some passing off uh, interaction give and goes from Eichel and Kessel in particular on up on top of the zone going back and forth, searching for a lane and a, 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 an avenue to get that puck to the net. Uh, I didn't think that there was anything in that game last night from those three that made me think, I'd like to see a, a tweak on this.
1: Yeah, no, I I honestly I didn't either. I, I enjoyed watching Phil Kessel Riley Smith and Jack Eichel play hockey together. I I really did. Uh, You know, There are a couple of things. The extended offensive zone time, that's a plus. You you certainly want that. You want your top line or what would be the top line for the Vegas Golden Knights to dominate in the offensive zone. I thought for stretches, they they certainly did that. Uh, The interplay between Kessel and Jack Eichel, there was one shift. I think they were both uh, in the offensive zone for about a minute and they were the only two people that touched the puck. It, It didn't lead to anything, but you had control, you had movement, you had lanes, you had things, and you could see that both guys were starting to get in tune with where one another were going to be. Could you, you hear the carousel Riley... music
0: uh, while they were yeah, doing yeah, that? Yeah, no.
1: yeah, absolutely. And 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 away from the puck, you had Riley Smith, you had the defensemen, all trying to find lanes, all trying to find angles. So uh, the movement for me was just really fun. And, and then there were some plays along the boards, Castle to Eichel, Eichel to Castle, that I really liked. But I'll tell you, Jack Eichel in that game yesterday, we're talking about a preseason game, first one of the year for Jack Eichel. There were two back checks in particular, one on the power play and then one in overtime that I absolutely love to see from Jack getting on his horse, using his speed to try to snuff out offensive chances against that's the kind of thing I'm looking for from Jack. I know what he can do offensively. I'm loving the, the, the fact that you are getting to see the chemistry build between he and Kessel, but I love the defensive effort from Jack Eichel last night, too.
0: Unless you're trying to make this team for the first time, I'm not getting into back checks. I'm sorry. I, I, I can't, I can't it, do it. I can't buy into it. It's important for Jack. I'm, no, no, no. I'm it's important for Jack. I'm, let me ask I'm you prepared a question. to fine me, you for talking about me, me, a veteran player no, 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 making no. a back check.
1: If it were if it were Jonathan if it were William Carlson, if it were any other player, it wouldn't be significant. It is significant when it's Jack Eichel in game number one of the preseason, busting his ass to get back on a back check. That's important.
0: I'm finding you. Uh, that'll be three dollars okay. and twenty-seven cents for okay, talking so about a veteran, veteran player from the bets
1: you've lost to me. Like well, this is ridiculous. You want him to be a you want him to play defense.
0: You well, want do. him to add that layer to his it. game. Uh, as far okay. as the, uh, the the Kessel, Eichel, and Riley Smith line, 10 shots on goal. That's pretty good yeah. for, for yeah, never good. having played together. And there's some power play time mixed in there that's going to give you extra opportunities. But uh, 10, uh, 10 shots on goal, they score a goal uh, and, and look good doing it. That's a, a significant positive for Butch Cassidy and crew.
1: Yeah, I, I again, I agree. They had they had possession of the puck. They were in the offensive zone a heck of a lot, and, and I thought that they were really close to kind of breaking the game open. I, you kind of have to give credit where credit's due. Phoenix Copley came in after uh, the first period, and he was really, really good for the Los Angeles Kings in net. Um, but, I, I mean, realistically, when you look at it, the, the, the way that Eichel, Kessel, and Smith were generating offense, generating chances – um, it was it was there for the taking. It was a game where if you get that same type of, of response or same type of play from those three, you're going to like your chances most nights.
0: You brought up the shift where Kessel would go across the blue line and hand it off to Eichel and he would come back and there was a rotation with them uh, handing off the puck to each other. Three or four times uh, they passed it to the other guy. and Everybody else was in the zone. That would be one of the most difficult positions ever if I was playing on the ice as a skater, not getting in the way of what those two guys were doing and and trying to find the open ice. Do I go stand in the corner? Do I just go stand in front of the net? I don't want to go up top, but I feel like, well, Kessel's coming across. I should I should backfill that spot. But then as soon as he hands it off to Eichel, he's going to run into me. I was thinking about the other three players and watching them, and, and that showed great hockey sense from everybody that was on the ice in that regard. Not just to run into those two who controlled the puck for about 45 seconds. Yeah, it,
1: it was really interesting to see kind of the lanes and, and the and the routes that some of the other players were taking. Uh, Riley Smith was putting in a ton of work down low, trying to put himself in a position to accept a pass to, to to present himself an option to put the puck on the on net if they if they were able to get it to him. Um, I, I believe it was also Petrangelo and Chayka that were on the ice during that particular shift, um, and you know. When you have the ability, right, of having Jack Eichel and and Phil Kessel on the ice, but then you you compound that with the the hockey IQ, the offensive IQ of, of Alex Petrangelo, um, you've got guys that can really read off of what they're doing. It'll take time for sure, but you know the 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 baseline work was there last night. If they can, if the Golden Knights can continue to build on it, I think that they could have something special in that line. It's just whether or not you're going to be able to continue to grow and grow and grow over the preseason.
0: We'll get into this whole Brett Favre situation in the Legal Minute with Sam and Ash, in just a bit. But uh, one more forward line, because we're probably going to run out of uh, time in this segment, but we will get into mm-hmm. it uh, in the uh, in the next block. The, the line that included the kid, and all the anticipation surrounding Brendan Brisson, along with mm-hmm. William Carlson and Jonathan Marchessault, it looked uh, at times like a line that had a couple of guys getting their feet wet of the season, and then a player making his preseason NHL debut. Uh, there was uh, one time in particular where I felt they were looking for Brendan. Uh, trying to trying to get the puck to him because it could be such a moment, and uh, and and vice versa, and not not totally in sync, but but not a not a bad debut at all. Uh, the, the, it's an interesting line because there's a lot of um, luck going on with with those three players. You've got mm-hmm. the the chemistry between Carlson and Marchisio, and then throwing this kid that never played before. While it's it's nice to play with two veterans. It's also like okay. Where am I supposed to go? Because these guys seem to do it instinctively.
1: Yeah, I, there were flashes, there were moments, um, you know, where I think Brendan Berson uh, had had it was more noticeable. I, I guess there were a couple of plays. Uh, certainly, the the two on one with Jonathan of the so where he kind of follows it up and is able to it just misses a rebound opportunity. That was that was a really strong play for Brendan Berson. Um, was that the two on one? That was the yeah. sort
0: of like two on one. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, like, there were moments for sure. I think that you know, Brendan Brisson being um, being unafraid to to rip a one timer on the power play; those are things that I, I want to see from the player. Well, you better um, not be afraid. That's just bread and no, butter. exactly, exactly. And and you know, you again, you, you, we kind of talked about it pre pre game yesterday. Is, is there going to be any defaulting from Brendan Bourson? Uh, I don't. Certainly not on the power play. I, I don't really feel like he was defaulting too much, but I do agree with you in that there were moments where I think William Carlson and Jonathan Marsh still were trying to set up Brendan Brisson. They were trying to find him instead of maybe taking the play that, that was in front of them. So, um, yeah, it, it's two veteran guys getting their feet wet. It's Brendan Bresson trying to make an impression. Um, you know, maybe you maybe you wanted a little bit more out of that line just from a, a, a goal or a, a moment perspective. But overall, I thought it was a pretty strong debut for, for Brendan Bresson in the Golden Knights uniform.
0: He was the center of attention later on in the game, and we'll tell you why in hour number two. But it all focused on Brendan Berson. You won't believe the story that comes uh, out that I'm going to tell you about uh, Brendan Berson. But a couple of shots on goal. He had, uh, had a hit, had a block shot. You go through his line. Uh, very, very adequate from uh, a player that, is so talked about. I mean, he did the scrum yesterday. There's a 20-year-old guy uh, in in the locker room that he's dressing in the auxiliary dressing room. He comes into the main dressing room, does that scrum. That's as big a scrum as you're going to have in training camp right now uh, with the number of media. They were all around him to the point that Ben Hutton, who was sitting in the next stall where we were talking to Brendan Berson, said, uh, I'm out of here grabbed his stuff and, and, and did uh, the rest of his uh, uh, getting uh, undressed from his equipment uh, on the other side of the dressing room. It, it was jam-packed. So there's there's a lot going on. We talked about uh, him talking to his old uh, uh, teammates at Michigan about all the excitement about this. So I, I would say uh, given that you get out of that game, uh, very responsible defensively. Uh, you, you, you did a good job on that side. You you, you weren't on the ice uh, uh, for for a goal. So you get through that. You have over fifty minutes of ice time. You have a couple of opportunities. You're on the power play, and and look at his power play time. It was three and a half minutes. So all all things considered, relief. Now let's go do it again. But he's he's mm-hmm. gone through the experience once. Uh, Mom and dad were in the building last night for 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 a preseason game. That's about as big as it gets for a yeah. for a player to have family in town, friends and family, and and so much of the focus on you. He can play now. Now now he just gets gets back to doing what Brendan does.
1: Yeah, I I agree. I would expect him to be better in that in that next game. And you know, again, I I think that what bruce cassidy's kind of spoken about when it comes to paul cotter it applies to brendan berson you you gotta show what you can do and play your game but then you've got to show that there's a consistency about what you do and that you're able to do it 82 times out of the year that that's the ask that's the expectation we have for you Uh, it was good for brendan to get that first one out of the way and i'm looking forward to what he does the rest of preseason leading into uh, leading into the regular season
0: Got uh, 12 more forwards uh, to talk about uh, as we go along here that skate every single night. We've been through six of them from last night. We'll we'll dissect the other two lines when we continue, plus the Legal Minute with Sam and Ash. We've got one-timers, news and notes from around the National Hockey League, and I'm going to give you the top five goalies going into the season. Who would I like on my team from one to five? Not the best numbers. But who I would take on my team from number one to five. And I've got a shock for you on that list. Uh, the third and the fourth lines, if you want to call on that from last night, uh, plenty uh, to discuss there. Uh, Sakiri Mananen as well as Paul Cotter, we'll get into as we continue. Right back after this on Fox Sports Las Vegas, this is the VGK Insider Show. We're back to the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas, 98.9 FM and 1340 AM. Question we were wondering about going into last night was who's the shooter on that perceived top line of Eichel, Kessel, and Riley Smith? Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Smith had four, Eichel had three, and Kessel had three. I, we're yeah. we're no closer to answering that.
1: Well, it's clearly Riley Smith. He had one more, <laughs> one more he found the net. Um,
0: yeah, I I mean I guess the
1: the one thing that you you know you kind of look at and, and pull from this is that uh, they're not afraid to throw the puck on net. Riley Smith had uh, four shots hit the net. He he had one blocked shot and one missed shot. So Riley Smith threw five six. On net, six in the direction. So, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll go with Riley Smith. Early returns. He's the he's the shooter on that line.
0: Had a couple of uh, nice little plays in front, little tip plays, uh, almost like uh, deflections, but uh, but planned uh, as a as a pass in front of that, and you just try and, and redirect a couple of uh, inches, and that looked like uh, like they were right on on form on that side of it uh, with Kessel, Eichel, and Smith looking good. And then Brisson getting his feet wet with Marchessault and Carlson. Next up is the return of Lecision, Cotter, and Romberg, the yeah. three guys that we saw so much of last year uh, in relief of that injury-riddled lineup. And it's hard to to think of them as as guys trying to make the team when, like, two of them used up their rookie eligibility. The last season, mm-hmm. and 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 Paul Cotter, uh, we're so familiar with. Uh, I, I like watching them back together again. I, I, like they're not going to make the team together. That's that's right. Sure. It doesn't work that way where a line comes up and supplants another line and and takes over. So they're going to have to do it individually. But I but I did enjoy watching them as a unit.
1: Yeah, I, I thought that you know they're they're a well constructed line. And and again, I, if I'm going to pick one guy that that stood out to me more so than the others, it was. It'd probably be Paul Cotter, uh, it, it just in and around the puck all the time. Every single shift he was on the ice, he was, he was doing something, whether it be in the defensive zone or whether it be in the offensive zone. So I, I liked a lot of Paul Cotter's game. I thought you know, the, the ability to go back out there, run it back, and even though he didn't put the puck in the back of the net, he was still doing the things that Bruce Cassidy wanted to see him do. Uh, it was a good showing last night from Paul Cotter, that whole line in particular, but, but Paul Cotter especially.
0: Well, he's noticeable, right? Even when he's throwing hits and he gets knocked down, He's yeah. he's still in the middle of the fight, and yeah, well, he had the. because well, he eight gets hits. right back up and throws a hit. Yeah, like he, he had get, the he... eight hits last night, and Lasissian had five. Uh, I'm I'm I'll go with a with a strong honorable mention to Jake Lasissian because he uh, he yeah. didn't score, but he was around it last night, and he is a worker. And Shane Knighty and I were talking today where if the, if it's like Jake does everything really well, but nothing. Mm-hmm. Exceptionally better than any other part of his game. It's it's right across. Like in a video game, it would just be a flat line in the in the seven range. Like, right right across yeah, the stick handling, the hockey sense, uh, physicality, uh, hard working, uh, offense. Like it's, it's it's right at the top of the board. Uh, maybe maybe getting uh, a, some some a, a nastier side of his game uh, would help out. But uh, he's he's a guy that. I almost think every night could break out and just go off. He had the two goals last year, played a lot of games. I think he could have scored more than that, given the opportunity that he that he had last year. Uh, I would like to have seen more than two goals. I'd like to see him uh, score a, a little bit more. Certainly when he went back to the American Hockey League, he was a different player than when he was... Uh, Prior to getting the National Hockey League experience, uh, that confidence uh, uh, of, of playing uh, up uh, led into his game. Uh, I'd like to see just more offense out of him. Last night was a pretty good start, though.
1: Yeah, I, you know, Jake LeCision's interesting because I, I agree with your assessment in that he does everything well. Right, not like he's not going to pop offensively as much as say Paul Cotter does, but Paul Cotter is going to need to prove that he can be as consistent night in and night out as Jake LeCision has proven himself to be. So um, you you look at what Jake does. Is there more offense there in his game? I think so. Uh, is it going to come about if he has more opportunity to play in the in the National Hockey League? I think so. But if if the offense isn't there, if the puck's not going in, you know he's going to do. All the other things, all the little things that coaches want him to do. He's uh, safe is the wrong word, but he he the way that he plays the game is is very much a coach's dream. So in that regard, I, I like the fact that Jake had a, a strong game last night. I, I do think that line was good, and you know it. it any one of those three—Jonas Rasmussen, Jake LeCision, Paul Cotter—if you're going to tell me they're going to be uh, the, they're going to make the team. They're going to be that extra forward for the Golden Knights. I'd agree with you because I, I think they're all showing well early on in this preseason.
0: Uh, the other line that we haven't got to yet, uh, Security Mananen, who we've talked up uh, from the very start uh, of training camp, probably a couple of days before that, uh, along with Gage Quinney and Sheldon Rempel. Rempel was noticeable. Uh, not, not a player that, uh, that everybody knows a ton about. But I do I do like his game, uh, Quinny We're familiar with uh, being both from Nevada and as well as being around the organization for for a number of years. Uh, coming off uh, the COVID uh, and and being held back in that regard, and then Manninen. Manninen. We're going to get into. I promise okay. you, we get into Manninen mm-hmm. because there's a debate happening right now, and it's happening on this show about what makes Manninen tick what separates him and will allow him to make this team put him over the top there is a strong difference of opinion which is actually kind of good because it means he's excelling in multiple areas but we'll tell you all about that Uh, we got to take a break the legal minute uh, discussing Brett Favre and there's some controversy there and it involves maybe Maybe lessening the focus on Brett Favre? Does that make sense? It's the Legal Minute with Salmon and Ash and One Timers. News and notes from around the National Hockey League all to come on Fox Sports Las Vegas. It's time for the Legal Minute with Salmon Ash on the VGK Insider Show. Love visiting with Ashley Watkins from Salmon Ash, salmonashlaw.com because you deserve what's right. Give them a call, 702 820 1234. Better yet, Take 702-820-1234, put it in your phone right now, so when you have that, I'm sorry to say, inevitable situation, you just phone them right away, and then there's no thinking about it, and you're taking care of right off the bat. Uh, Ashley, how are you?
2: I'm great, guys. I, I got to watch some hockey in the Fortress last night, so I'm feeling good.
0: Did you stay for the shootout, or did you get uh, psyched out by, by the end of the game?
2: Oh, you know what? I have to confess I left after the second. So, wow. as far as I'm concerned, it was a 1-1 one, one end. <laughs> I'm, I'm,
0: I I'll take that. Well, they kind of did split because LA won in overtime and then we got to to win the the, the shootout. So, uh, I'll take that that draw. Hey, we got this situation involving Brett Farf and it's it's a uh, it's a layered story, but basically there was uh, money that was intended to go to uh, the uh, help out people uh, on welfare, uh, social assistance, uh, and from the governor uh, of Mississippi, Phil Bryant, and he sent some over to Brett Favre, who used it to build a volleyball facility at uh, at Ole Miss, and... Uh, Bryant, the governor, says he didn't know Brett was doing that, but he was still giving it to Brett Favre. Uh, so where, how complicated and how nasty do you think this whole thing will get?
2: Oh, it's complicated. And, and, you know, I think it's probably worth seeing it at its nastiest. I think they've figured out where the funds were going and who was receiving it all. And what they're now trying to do is people are pleading guilty and – cooperating. And so they'll testify and they'll give statements and they'll start to point the finger of who knew what, what they knew, how much they knew. And that's really what Brett Favre's issue is, is if he was aware that the funds he received or funds that he was requesting were actually supposed to go somewhere else and that his requests were under the understanding of misappropriation, that's a problem. That's where he will face consequences.
0: Can he go to jail?
2: Potentially, yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean what, he he did receive what was it one point one million from them, and he's apparently all for speeches that he never gave, and he's returned all that money. I think they're still trying to get the two hundred grand in interest, um but i don 't know if they would actually pursue charges on jail time with him. they probably just want the money back, maybe some type of restitution or other financial penalty but pursuing jail time on this would be a legal battle and more taxpayer money going down the drain
0: well said
1: so when when you look at it kind of from the people that that lost out on on these funds like what's their discourse because obviously um there were funds that should have gone to certain individuals that that were you know in need of of that money and it instead went and, and was funneled in a different direction what's their recourse here
2: well, yeah, so that's the problem. There is money that's never going to really reach the hands of who it was supposed to. So the state's going to feel this pain for a while. And that's why it's really important to pay attention of who you're electing into offices and who is in control of these various federal funds, these grants, all this money. And it's so ripe for such misuse in, in issues like this. And so it's really important that you have quality people in there. Um But your question is who... What's the recourse for the families and the individuals, and what, how do they make up for it? And unfortunately, they don't. You know, the, the state is suing all of these people because it's the state's money, and it's hard to prove exactly who is entitled to that fund. Wow.
0: Like, and and it's, uh, you need to be a, like a super-duper smart person with uh, 300 super-duper smart people uh, able to track money to, to follow this kind of trail.
2: Yeah, it's complicated, and really it comes down to, look, the money should have gone from A to B to C, and it should have been all fine and dandy, but somewhere between A and C, it went to X, Y, and Z, and that's a problem. That's a a problem.
0: A lot of the information in the investigation and and finding how this occurred came from texts that were were sent out, Uh, and uh, I'm curious... How do you access that? How does law enforcement get, get the right to to grab somebody's text, and, and and how far back can they go?
2: Well, so that's that's a great question. That's why you see so many of these individuals are put into a lawsuit to begin with. It's because they have information that the only way the party trying to get it here, the state of Mississippi, uh, they have to file a lawsuit, and they get the subpoena power, and then they can request items that are necessary to proving their case. So in this case, it would be text messages. And it would be limited to, look, and this happens even with what we do with medical records for our accident victims. You know, the the defendants, the insurance companies, they always want all of the medical records of the, our client. And what we say, is, no, look, we just have to show you the relevant time period. And it's our job to make sure that they're only getting access to relevant information whether here it's text messages that it's for the time frame at issue or whether it's in our case what we do day in and day out whether it's medical records or sometimes text messages too.
0: That that's cool because you know when I went through it, uh, you guys asked for my text message who I communicated with. Dave Gosher I, I communicated with apparently because I don't remember it, but uh, he said he had a text message. But you didn't ask for all of my text message. I was I I just uh, figured that out now uh, why that was relevant. Uh, really interesting stuff. Um, it does Brett Favre take away from from the real root of of this problem a little bit? Like he's a sensational uh, the famous guy, but. In the grand scheme of things, it's it's way more than Brett Favre uh, when you're talking about welfare and social social assistance.
2: Yeah, you know what? I don't know if he's taking away from it. I think he's actually bringing some press to it. Otherwise, well, no one would really be talking about it. And a lot of people are arguing, even with Brett Favre's tangential involvement from what we've seen so far, it's not getting enough press coverage. It's I mean, we're talking millions and millions of dollars that are gone. From the state welfare system by misuse and and political corruption, and so the fact that it's not getting national headlines that's frightening. And the only reason we're hearing about it, and you and I are talking about it, is is because Brett is attached to it.
0: That's totally true, Ryan.
1: Yeah, it it is interesting because you know I it, it, being aware of of what's been happening and what's been going on, I, I thought maybe it was just because we are in a sports specific field, but the the fact that you know, there's there's not much else beyond this being spoken about nationally, and it's just kind of clued in on Brett Favre. I, I guess is it is it fair in that regard that he's kind of the one being singled out for these lawsuits, or is this just kind of a way to get it on a, a bigger scale so that everything that's gone wrong in this department with with these funds can be can be brought to light, so to speak?
2: Yeah, I don't I don't see Brett Favre as being singled out. You, the the state's bringing has sued everyone it considers to be a, a, a wrongdoer or a party to this misappropriation of the welfare proceeds. And so what they will do is as evidence surfaces, they will evaluate each defendant and let go of them or reach settlement agreements accordingly. I don't, I don't think Brett Favre's being singled out by anyone in the legal process. I think he's just being singled out in the media.
0: That's the legal part of it. Uh, I want to get to the meat of the situation. Uh, what's your food, your go-to bite at the at the fortress? What what do you grab if you're hankering for? Oh, that—that's
2: a great question. You know, I used to. There was some like next to Pizza Forte and Shake Shack. There was a like a sausage bar, and those were really good. But it's now replaced with burritos and. Some type of, like, burrito bowls.
0: Oh,
1: really? I
2: tried Pizza Forte. Yeah, so last night I tried Pizza Forte for the first time. I know that's run by Nemo Ferraro, who Ferraro's Italian restaurant on Paradise. So it has pedigree, and so it's actually pretty decent for stadium food. I I was satisfied.
0: I am checking that out tomorrow night, uh, 110%. Uh, Ashley Watkins, salmonashlaw.com, 702 820 1234. Once again, you're making it happen on the VGK Insider Show. Thank you. All
2: right. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Have a good one.
0: Uh, Ashley Watkins uh, joining us. Uh, love to get the insight into uh, both uh, what's going on locally and uh, around uh, the world. And this one with uh, Brett Favre is just nasty on so many different levels. Top five goaltenders in the National Hockey League to start this season. Do you agree with me? I've got a twist for you. That's coming up in hour number two of the VGK Insider Show in Fox Sports Las Vegas.